So we can talk about being banned on Facebook for 72 hours, or we can talk about Lou Ferrigno, one of the two. We, we got to do the Lou Ferrigno story. So Lou Ferrigno, some of you already know this, some of you guys who know me. Uh, at SHOT Show, I got snubbed by Lou Ferrigno a couple years back. <laughs> and it's in my house, it's known as the Lou Ferrigno Affair. Mm-hmm. So my wife was a was a big fan of Lou Ferrigno, and he came. I saw him walking down the aisle at, towards our booth, and I was like, holy crap, is that Lou Ferrigno? And I said it just that loud so he could hear. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's Lou Ferrigno, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, I was like, awesome, dude. Hey, my wife's a big fan. Can I just get a real quick selfie? And I was like, I'm pulling out my phone. He was like, he put his hands up, and he was like, oh, I'm not taking any pictures today. And I was like, uh all right. So he's quiet for a second and he's looking at these AIs on the table and he's like, we had one that was totally stripped down and in the box in the covert case. Yep. yep. I remember that one. <clears throat> and he goes, well, how much is a rifle like this? And I said, for you, Lou, it's going to run you about 12 grand. <laughs> so he kind of mumbled some stuff and walked off and Craig Harrison was standing behind me when this all went down. Yep. And he's uh, he goes, sniper. Yeah, the uh, British sniper. He's like, we'll see you on about, mate. <laughs> and like started getting all worked up and everything. And Craig's a big ass dude. So anyways. He's as big as Lou. Yeah, he's a pretty big dude. So I get home and I'm telling uh, my wife Heidi about this. And she's like, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe. Because, you know, like being a fan of King of Queens, oh, you used to watch that a lot. Okay. And he was on that show as like the nosy, gossipy neighbor. Oh, I didn't which know I that. Thought, yeah, which I thought was freaking hilarious. Cool. And um, I'm not so, a low channel guy. I don't yeah. watch shows on low channels. Well, I don't have cable anymore. Right. So at the time, there was a lot of Lou Ferrigno stuff on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I was like... This is my petty way of getting back at him. And this is when you could rate stuff on Netflix. So I Googled, or not Googled, but Netflixed his name and uh, went to all of his shows and gave him one star across (laughs) the board. So if you mess with me and you snub me in public and you're on Netflix, you're getting one star. But they don't do that anymore. They give a thumbs down kind of deal. Okay. So So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thumbs down him and give him one star. Siskel and Ebert him. Right. So then... uh, like a couple of days later, I was telling one of my friends, Brian, he lives out in California. I was telling my friend Brian about this. And he sends me a picture of Lou Ferrigno with some booth girls and Steven Seagal. And I was like, that son of a bitch. He was okay to take pictures. He was wearing the same shirt on the mm-hmm. day that he stunned me. And I was like, oh, he's taking pictures. Because you're not with a pretty chick, yeah, man, right? with bolt-ons. Right. So I was like, well... Steven Seagal is now a casualty of this war as well. So I went on Netflix and, and Netflixed him too. So he got fat. Seagal got big. Yeah, I saw, there's some video that came out the other. I don't know, dude. The best, the my day, best but. Seagal story. So I went to Silencer Co. Like right after Steven Seagal was there. Yeah, like two I remember days you later. So I'm in Silencer Co. and I'm getting the whole thing. And downstairs, there's a range upstairs and there's a range downstairs. So I won't say which guy at Silent... Oh, he doesn't work there anymore. So I guess I could say James is taking me around. And he goes, hey, dude, you want to see the video of Steven Seagal shooting? So I'm like, of course I do. Yeah, why not? Yeah, right? So he has an entourage that's like behind the line with him. And he's out there with this little MP5. I think it might have been an SP89K, the little guy. It might not even been a full-blown MP5. And he's like spraying and praying and tearing up the friggin' thing. And he's like, off the hip. He's like, pret, 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 pret. And, the, and the targets are just like popping around, right? right? And he turns around when the mag's done 
and he says on the video, because his, his entourage, when he's finished, are right. golf, golf clapping. Clap. Yep, Total golf clap. golf clap. So when he turns around and his entourage is golf clapping, he says, at home, my gun puts him in one hole. Shut up. Dude. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> now you said you were somehow related to Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, well, so my Lou, my my your Kevin Lou Ferrigno Bacon, side, my Kevin Bacon story. So yeah, back the, in the Connecticut, nine degrees of yes, separation here. Back in Connecticut, my parents live on a dead end road in Stratford. Well, there's three houses on the road. There's and next to next to them is Tony Ferrigno, which is Lou Ferrigno's cousin from Brooklyn. Right. Who lives there and has like a, a tree land. It's called tree land. It's a landscaping place. So my daughter is the same age as his daughter and they all hang out. So And Tony looks just like Lou. They're like separated from birth kind of thing. Big dude, same look, the whole thing. And uh, so Tony Ferrigno is my parents' neighbor who's related to Lou Ferrigno. So there's my, my, my deal. And Tony, if you're listening, I don't want to have to go in and start giving you one stars on stuff. So, he's not in so TV. Keep, he's keep in, your cousin in check. He's in music. He does. So you have to downrate his stuff on iTunes. Nah. So he's into music and Fair stuff. Fair enough. So he has, a, he has a studio in the in the house and crazy uh, saltwater fish tank and all kinds of shit. So, uh, yeah. I got a good fish tank but story. I remember. But no, wait. We'll, we'll I got to finish that. your loose story, okay, though. Okay. Because then... I showed up right after it happened, and when Lou walked away, you followed him in the other room where JP was. <laughs> Remember you telling me this? So you're well. That's because Craig wanted to stomp him, and then I was like, <laughs> "Stop!" I was like, "I was like, you know, I don't think we need this kind of publicity. You know, the next thing that's going to show up online is Mike from Mile High Shooting Booth and Craig Harrison stomp you, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, because you don't. That's that's a lose lose situation. But he was bitching yeah. the whole walk about the price of the AI. Oh yeah, that. So yeah. you were like trailing him uh, yeah, with an earshot. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's that's how you get one star on Netflix. Yeah, the, the other, Just so you know, the other TV show guy who was kind of like, because uh, when I lived in Greenwich and stuff, there's a lot of movie stars and shit come to Greenwich, big dollar. So that Joe, uh, what the frick? He was in Godfather Three, which is the worst one. And then he does the TV show. He does the gun TV show at Gun Site. Joe Magenta. That's not his real name, but that guy, um, he does a gun show. Uh, I don't even know what the heck it's called. Like mostly historical guns, I oh, think okay. he does. And so I was walking behind him with an earshot, and his agent with, was with him. And they were talking like bantering stories back and forth that they can use on talk shows. <laughs> okay. So they're so as they're I'm following them up to Starbucks because we're walking up Greenwich Ave to Starbucks. And you're like a little ninja, so yeah, you probably nobody even knew I was there. Yeah. Exactly. They they weren't paying any attention to Frank and Greenwich, and and so we're going up to Starbucks and they're in front of me and the agent's like, oh yeah, Joe, you got to totally use that uh, when you're on Conan next week, and oh yeah, that's a great story for David Letterman, you know. So they do all that shit. Damn, the, that dates when this story. Yeah, was yeah. Going well, down. I don't know this how long ago it was. It probably was wasn't Letterman. Ago. I don't think it was Letterman. It was like a Leno, or I don't know who it was. But they were talking. They were. They were. They were playing their stories off of each other to see how they would play on the talk show as they were walking up the avenue to go to Starbucks. I was like, okay, you're a rock star. It's funny what you come across, man. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. This is Mike from Mile High Shooting. And Frank from Sniper's Hole. And we are back, man. It feels like... It's been a while. It's been a while we, since... We've had a lot of trips and a lot of stuff. Crazy weather, man. Friggin' this weather's beating us 
up with the win. I, uh, you guys got to be shooting. Like I said, I'm I'm wounded. You guys that are going to be shooting Coyote, uh, Cody, the Gunworks match, the NRL thing. They were showing whiteout conditions up in Wyoming. The winds, the winds in Denver are forty miles an hour plus. They're pretty high today too. Yeah, Wyoming's gonna be nasty this weekend. So good luck to you guys. Man, it went from like eighty degrees yesterday. That was t-shirt. Yeah, to forty degrees and like forty mile an hour winds today. We got two inches of snow at my house. Oh, down south. Yep, my car's covered in snow. That was freaking crazy. Yeah, so we had snow last night. It was eighty. It was like shorts and t-shirt weather. You know, I was like laying in bed and I'm like stripping down because it was getting hot and I'm like, fuck, it's getting hot here. And then I woke up to bring the dog out this morning and it was snow. And I was like, fuck. So yeah, it, it's, um, <laughs> and then I just caught myself swearing. Some guy on, on YouTube just said, Frank swears a lot. <laughs> no kidding. There's like some study out there too. Like you catch somebody who swears a lot, they're, yeah. why they're a good friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it was written by someone who swears a lot that really has no idea what's right. going on in life. But whatever. Anyways, uh, we've had a lot of good feedback from the Podbean app the uh, and the Facebook page. I did get banned from Facebook for the next 72 <laughs> hours. You got so banned from a private message. I got banned from a private message. How so that crazy should t- is that, so dude? That should they're, tell they're, you guys something. They're reading your private message. Mike was private messaging somebody. Oh, uh, my boy Dave out in North Carolina. Yeah, Dave always uh, mentions on the Everyday Sniper. So we're sending memes back and forth and... Uh, it, I don't know. It was more of a picture message, you know, just kind of messing around, making each other laugh. And I had found one of my uncle Joe with me playing in the background and I sent it to him. And immediately I got a message. It was like, you, the content that you've posted is now, you're now banned from Facebook for the next 72 hours. And so I started, so I emailed Dave and I was like, Hey dude, I just got banned. What the fuck? You know? <laughs> and he started laughing because he was sending some pretty offensive shit. And I really wasn't. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was just, you know, Facebook's it, what I was doing time. wasn't, you know, half as bad as what he So I woke up this morning and he sent me another message because I can still go on Facebook and see what's going on and kind of lurk around. But you can't post. They, they, it's funny because I was thinking about it and it was like, well, they're going to let you lurk around and not be part of the conversation and not like things, and it's going to make you feel bad for yeah, your behavior. but drive you nuts because you can't. Yeah, because you can't get in the conversation. So I'm just sitting back laughing because I jumped off of Facebook for like a year prior to this and came back with you know, the attitude of, you know, I really don't give a fuck about Facebook. I, right. just, I get on there and, and Sniper's high. mess around. Com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have been on the, on the high I a little bit I saw you posted yeah. on that. I didn't notice. I got I, achievements. You did? That was the first time I posted something. So it was like, you got this trophy, this trophy, this trophy. Nice. I was like, what? I didn't even know they did that. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's a trophy system. So now I got to do it because I'm used to playing video games mm-hmm. and I get achievements. So now I got to get on there. If you're more. into trophies, come to sniperside.com. So anyway, moral of the story is he sent me this video this morning and everything was going good. And then it started going south and I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And then it was, uh, it was like Gmail su- ban you. It was, uh, super disgusting is what it turned out. It went south real quick. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, and I had to turn it off. Cause I you thought I, Gmail I, ban you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a sympathetic puker or anything like that, but it was a two girls, one cup kind of situation. Okay, I'm with so. you. And then we had a couple questions. Uh, somebody had asked, I didn't see his name, about uh, quarter MOA versus uh, qu- uh, inch yeah, per let me, 100 yard. Yeah, pull that up real quick. Um, what was his name? Steve or? Spencer. Spencer. Spencer was an S. I'm I knew it was an coffee. S. So here's the deal Night Force is normally true MOA. If it's saying it's 0.25 MOA, that adjusts 0.26 inches. Okay? If it's 0.25 inches, it's inch per 100 yard. 
So your, your night force are almost all true MOA and adjust when you do the big tall target test. And Spencer, do a tall target test. Don't just rely on me to tell you what you have. It's your scope. It's your system. Tall target test it, dude. Everybody should be out there knowing what their scope adjusts in. And if it says 0.25 MOA, which like I said, night force is normally true, then that would be 0.26 inch. Not 0.26 MOA, 0.26 inch. 0.25 MOA is 0.26 inch. And answers that one. Um, there is a couple other well, questions. Like it, well, you can, or you, you have some targets that you Yes, they're getting out. done. Uh, the, the, my actual t scope testing target thing finally got printed beyond the ones you guys carry. You guys carry the Sniper's yeah, Hide You can get a Sniper's Hide 10-pack. You go to our website. You can yes. pick it up there. But it's a 10-pack. Basically, it has little quarter-inch little quarter inch squares all over it. Mm -hmm. um, it it has still works in mill. It used to have two. I used to have a mill version in an MOA where the grid was different. Mm -hmm. The entire target is the same. The only difference was the grid behind it. Now we just do the same grid, but the you can use the line for tall target testing. It's actually like seven mils, and then you got to drop down a little, get your 10. But um, it only does uh, seven. But you can it's, it's 0.36 inch between them, so you can do mil or M away. You'll just do three and a half M away. Instead of mill, but it does have that elevation test yes. on the side. Level it up. You yep. put a, you put a little level on it. You you staple it up. You can check. However, I did get a guy um, who has a bunch of targets he's doing now, and he's kind of creating a store for all various paper targets, low development targets, different stuff. He's printing my actual des dedicated grid tall target test. It'll have two to a page. You can shoot it. You can do a bunch of stuff after it. It'll check your reticles. And so that is getting printed as we speak. So that will be available pretty soon. And then... Um, I have some stuff from... Lot of, yeah, a lot of thank app. yous. A lot of cool stuff on the app. But uh, thank yous. There, yeah, and there's some follow-up stuff. So the guys that were listening to the reload stuff with Adam were throwing out some stuff that they used. And I want to share it with you guys if you're not on the app here. Let me... Get to it. There was a question about the Kindle device that you were talking about. Yeah, you got to go to um, uh, Invisti, I think, to order that. I'm going to order it. They're like 80 bucks. Um, Kestrel may have them on their website. Go to Kestrel. It links to a Kestrel. But it's I saw him. Brian Morgan had a couple of them, and he was ordering some more. Um, it's super light. It's actually almost lighter than cutting out a piece of white plastic to use. And you can use it either as a sideboard on the side of the rifle, an arm board, and it'll beam your data in an easier-to-read display. All this is is a sort of Kindle-like display that beams your Kestrel data over. Um, check Kestrel's website, and then if not, I think Invisti's website, N-V-I-S-T-I or something, to Nick Vitabo's website. I don't know. I have to go and order myself some too, so I just haven't done it yet, so I can't tell you exactly where to order it. But um, it, it's Kestrel-related. It might be on Kestrel's site. So uh, there's that. We got a comment from Scott about episode 42 for a recapping pin. He uses a squirrel daddy and simply chuck it into the drill, sand it down on the ends. 
uh, until it fits the brass real quick. I don't know simple. what a squirrel daddy is. I don't know either. What is a squirrel daddy? Never heard of it. And he uses a Frankfurt Arsenal hand deprimer and lead decapper die. So you guys are, were really into that reloading stuff. There's some info right there for you. And then Wyoming Outlaw, lanolin and isopropyl alcohol, 12, uh, 12 to 1 parts mix. Works great. Puts it in the tumbler for 30 minutes to clean it off. Uh, beats cleaning each one with a rag, and he does it in batches. Let's see, we got Goo Goo Cluster. Heads up with the Hornady OAL tool. If you have to compare, uh, compare the base to the shoulder dimension of the gauge to what you are sizing the brass to. Can you hear that garbage. wind? That was his garbage can. Just oh took it better. <laughs> uh, let's see. Then add and subtract the difference to the OAL on the lands. This is because the cartridge head spaces from the shoulder. Let's see. It's a learning experience. Great stuff. Let's see. This guy's hoping you have a dash cam. No, I don't Maybe have a dash Maybe you can recover cam. some of that. No, the lost that We're going to refer to it as the lost, lost episode. Episodes. The lost episode, yeah. I don't have a dash cam, guys. I'm not friggin' watching what I'm doing or worrying about. Although I was driving like a friggin' fool coming back. I made some land speed records, and people were like Sunday driving, and I just wanted to run them off the road. I felt like I was in Ronan where, where I needed a car that can push somebody, and I'm right. like, get out of my way! So, Need that zombie land. Yeah, totally. Three on the side yep. and go to town. Totally. Uh, let's see. We got an iPhone 6 user. Uh, I think this is referring to the iTunes stuff. Episode name format cuts off the zero to nine digit on the every, on the everyday episode. Whatever, dude. We can't. That's a, uh, iTunes. We're not getting into the minutia of iTunes. He's saying cut out the number sign and maybe we can fit some more in there. Uh, it's possible. I ain't sweating it. <laughs> Um, let's see. Podbean app, dude. And then, um, uh, you want to, yeah, you, you had some stuff we were going to follow up on, like the Seekins trip and different shit. Yeah, let's see. Going to try to recover some of the lost episode, answer some questions. We got that. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's talk about the Seekins trip, man. You had a lot of good stuff to pull away from there and maybe we can jog your memory on the, on your blackout well, it was, road trip. Yeah. Cause it, the, the, the bulk of what I missed, I had the Seekins podcast and that's How many gonna, days were you up there? Four? Four days. I think it was three days. Well, with travel, I think it was four because I had to come back early for Monday. So I ended up, but Saturday, this, I want to talk because with the lost tapes are from Saturday. Saturday, we were in the mountains shooting. Saturday was our practical exercise. I look, I was just, I, in, um, I was intaking all the video from Seekins. Great shit. I can't wait to put this out. You're going to, if, if you want to know how, they get the accuracy out of the AR-10 type platform. Um, Glenn goes into so much detail. I mean, it's really on the edge of his secret sauce, and he puts it out there. The videos are going to be so good. I, I was playing with one yesterday. This weekend, because I'm kind of laid up with the shoulder deal, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit the first uh, Glenn video beyond what we did at Brian Morgan's. But the Lost Tapes focused on Brian Morgan's stuff. Because Brian's in a different space training-wise than we are. Brian comes out of PRS, okay? Brian was a, a, a PRS champion, came in second and third a couple times, was an owner in K&M, which became core. So he has a very deep, he was a team gap shooter. You know, his resume is long, but it's not necessarily a military resume. But because of his experience and what's going on and the speed in which guys engage targets with PRS, the military's 
very deep into that type of shooting now. They're 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 learning a lot right, from you guys. Quietly sending people right back in the day when you look at the Halfcock stuff. All right, I'm going to go Marine Corps historical here. Uh, competition people, the Wimbledon Cups. That's what made Halfcock who he was, and why they he won the Wimble, Wimbledon Cup. Then when he got into Vietnam, they're like, you're the sniper because you can shoot well. Right, you're a good marksman. You're the good marksman. He was a hunter, so he had stalking and all this other stuff. And weren't those just hunting rifles to yes, begin with they in were the first from, place? Marine Corps has a thing called special services. What it was, and let me tell you straight off the bat, all you guys who talk Winchesters and 30-odd sixes, the Marine Corps did not have near as many as you think. The Marine Corps did not standardize them. They were looked at, never adopted. But special services... You can go and you can go to on a weekend. You can go to special service in the Marine Corps. Say, hey, we're gonna have a softball game. Mike on one team, Frank on another. We go to special services. Shirts and skins. Skirt, shirts and skins. But your bats and all your stuff you can get from special services. If I was taller, maybe I get a basketball. Right. <laughs> right. So you get a basketball, and then you can go to special services and go play basketball. Well, you also can get rifles to hunt. They assumed you're in the Marine Corps, your weapon is in the armory, you can't touch it. You didn't come to the military with grandpa's hunting rifle, but you can hunt on Camp Lejeune or different places. If you want to go hunt, go to special services, check out a hunting rifle, then you can hunt. Well, a lot of those got put into service as sniper rifles. Never official, and this is where the 30-odd six a half cock comes in. So if you take that history... So special services wasn't like a special forces thing. No, it, it was, was like recreational. A, a recreation. Yeah. It was recreational. It wasn't a group for special forces. Or it was recreational. So then take... Now translate that to Brian Morgan and PRS and what's going on. You're taking successful people in these groups and through Brian's affiliations and associations with some bigger players, he does a lot of government contracting and this is a big part of this idaho location his range you're not gonna if you're a civilian and you're thinking about this you ain't gonna go there he's not gonna take you in um he he's not doing classes there although we have talked about mile high and us using his property for something that he worked out with diane and so that's on the calendar probably for next year to go to this location but Brian goes from Florida to Idaho, mm -hmm. Hell's Canyon, deepest ravines in the U.S. Canyon-wise, it's it's from the top to the bottom. They're deep, no other place. This is Hell's Canyon's nasty. Okay, this is like the devil was Godzilla-sized and took his giant claws and dug furrows with his claws through the ground. And as you have to do all this serpentine in around, you know, we're coming from Lewiston into Riggins. It was partly sunny, no big deal. We come around like the third to the last corner of these ravines. It's pouring, sideways wind, we're crossing the times. Lightning, yeah. fire. Oh, it was lightning. It did thunder yeah. and lightning. Even Missy said, never heard thunder there before and, and it was happening. So, conditions immediately, one corner, go to shit. Just like we have out here today, just like these guys are going to see in um, Utah this Utah, weekend. Well, uh, Wyoming. Yeah, in Utah. Wyoming. Like, yeah, there's, there's a couple over. matches going on. So 
here we go up, we hop in the four wheelers and we go up to the top of the mountain. I posted the video. The conditions were actually worse than what you see in the video. There were some, some where it was downpouring and stuff. But now think of these ridges. He's got like three, four ridges that go up off the back of his property. And it's a lot of property. Well, I'm shooting down one side of the ridge. I transition and I shoot up the other side. So left side I'm shooting down, right side I'm shooting up. We're moving around to another. And then, you know, when the rain got so bad, I come down to the bottom and from the house, I'm shooting up to the top is what you see in, in, in some the, of the video. The video. Yeah. Right. What, so we go inside during the rain and the nastiness and we're talking wind. Because he's seeing stuff that you can't put a number on. You can't put a rule of thumb on. And the conversation came up because there is somebody selling a class two civilians in the military on Cross Canyon wind calling in Idaho, I think they are too. Wyoming, Idaho, somewhere up there. I think it's Idaho. So they're doing Cross Canyon wind call. And we're trying to figure out how can you give a number to cross canyon windfall uh wind calling right because you've it's, talked about just in your in your basic class you have wind on the ground and you have the next level of wind and then right. as you start to rise you know 50 feet 75 feet 100 feet all you know all the way up to where your bullet is you know reaching that max ordinance and coming back down and now you're looking at it from a canyon perspective where you're shooting on level ground here and then it drops off, you know, so that wind is still right. You know, or still rocking. it's being blocked from the one in front of you that's bigger. Or and it's going faster because it's channeled. It's being funneled. It's being funneled. Right. And, it's and then invisible. it's going to the next ridge where it's ground level. So what is that, you know, what's that happy medium? How do you find that number? Exactly. I mean, let, let's look at it this way. Somebody's on, and when I want to bring this, because in the in the lost tapes, I brought it into military con, uh, context. And I'm going to give you that military context right now. Why are we in Idaho training? And you can bring some correlation to Afghanistan. I'm sure the overlays are pretty close. But you know where they're closer? Because I've been to both places. I know. It's pretty close in Wyoming. Korea. Oh, really? yeah. That makes sense. Because the ridges in Idaho remind me of Korea. Okay? So I did Team Spirit up there in Korea. And I'm going to bring this back down to Brian's application with the military side of things he's doing. So I, I, was, I was a huge fan of the radio. I want to do all this stuff. And we're, we're walking these ridge lines and mountains and crossing over. And we were using burial trails in Korea. There's tons of burial mounds and burial. I had the worst nightmare ever. Did you ever see the little horror movie from the 70s with the demonic baby, It's Alive? And the that little, sounds gross. I don't want to It's do it. real scary, dude. It's like <laughs> one of those bad 70s horror flicks. I remember sleeping on a burial trail and having like having a dream that this demonic baby was coming out of the burial mound after me and going to bite my head off. So I'm doing these burial trails. That's like some smallpox nightmares. Yeah, man. it is. Yeah. I'm doing these burial trails to cross the ridge lines. So we're not zigzagging the road and doing the switchbacks. We're actually going up and over. In fact, in one point, they had me looking for a helicopter landing zone. And when I got up to the top... The snow was up to my waist, you know. So then they send me out on this op, and I have to observe a artillery emplacement, okay. So we're up on this ridge line, and 
think of me on the military crest. I'm below the skyline. Okay. I'm observing this thing. If you had to shoot me from, say, 1,200 yards away and I'm just below that military crest, that max ord might go over the ridge line right. height-wise. And catch something up above, above that ridge. Okay. That you're not seeing wind-wise, okay? Or I go down on the finger and now that ridge is blocking the wind behind me or to the side and I may have on the top of the ridge 15 mile an hour winds, but I go down 200 feet and there's no wind. And the bullets I'm shooting down into the canyon and it's being masked the whole way by the canyon and so no wind. So here's Right, so the way that I'm looking at it and thinking about it, and this is a really good point to bring up, is we're going to say that we're on a ridge and we're facing a ridge and that ridge may be just a little bit higher than the ridge that we're shooting off of. Right. right? So those are two different levels of terrain. And now we'll say that that ridge is, uh, you're on the military crest, right? So mm -hmm. you're just below, like if you were walking across the, uh, the ridge line, you're like 75% up the ridge line basically. So your head doesn't come out and silhouette yourself over the top. So that's what we're talking about with military crest. So Frank's saying he's a shooter and he's just below that ridge line. And when you take your shot, depending on that distance, your max ordinance may go over what that ridge line actually it's is. Blocking, right. And now we'll say the wind is coming at us. Mm -hmm. So now it's affecting your bullet on a 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock, you know, yeah. 11 o'clock basis. Some variation of that. Right? But that's not a variation that you've taken into account because you're thinking straight line mm -hmm. to that shooter. And so I come down and, and here's this... this um, this artillery emplacement and we're watching it for three days at the end of the three days i'm going to call an airstrike in on it and i could have called in an artillery strike but at the time they gave us bronco ov10s a bronco comes in and he's going to throw some simulated airstrike on this thing well before that happens marine corps i get to communicate with either artillery or the pilot i can talk to the pilot myself i don't need a third party to to relay I'm going to tell them which direction to come in. I'm going to tell them all this stuff. Right, because you're the forward observer right. at that point. And so what I did is I said, okay, I've been up here for three days. I had to get up here. I had to walk. I didn't get dropped off. Then I'm observing and all this stuff. I'm going to shoot somebody before I call in the airstrike. <laughs> right. Because if I watched it the other night. If you ever saw the Dirty Dozen with George Kennedy, the, he was the official. So there's you have the bad guy, us the good guy. There's someone in the middle you can communicate to and you give him information and he determines whether or not who scores the points. So it was like George, or George Kennedy in the Dirty Dozen when they take out the general, uh, that whatever. Like your exercise Robert coordinator Ryan. or right. something like that. So I come down this finger. I get from my 1,200-yard position, I get to within 800 yards of the, um, the emplacement. I'm looking through glass. Well, what the fuck? There's a guy who ain't dressed at 8 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. That guy's going to be my target. Why does he just have a, uh, a, a thermal shirt, the white thermal shirt, and not his blouse on? Right. His utility. Soft target. Right. I'm like, dude. He's not a hard target. He's not camouflaged up. Yep. He's not ready to fight. So He just looks like he's just out there smoking and joking. I get on the radio. I find out how long it's going to be until... The plane's going to come in, the OV-10, and when I get a time hack from him, I'm going to coordinate that with my shot. So plane's coming in. Okay, good. 
I go one, I go two, I go three on that guy, I give him all my data. Now I call back to the official, I call back to George Kennedy there, and I say, I just took three shots on this guy, he's wearing this, he's this tall, he's walking around here, he came out of this tent in the location, and OB10 comes in and does its little fucking smoky, yee, little fireworks, right? Well, I killed the first sergeant. First sergeant one dressed. Right. Not my first sergeant, that first sergeant. So now take this translation of what Brian's doing. And we're talking crosswinds, and he's working with guys with 308s. And he's and the big gun they're using is maybe a 300 wind mag. 308's coming back around. Yeah, it is. Well, for and that's why they're looking at the 260 and the 65 Creed through Seekins. And that's why you got in 210M. So or uh, SP10M. So we're talking about this wind and calling wind in the mountains and how Brian's seeing all these variations that are completely unpredictable. We're like, well, how do you predict that? You can't see it. When you get up in these mountains, the vegetation starts getting sparse. There's no indicators. And the indicators are often wrong. Just coming down your street, you got the big flagpoles out in front. Flags are coming straight out crazy right winds here are nuts today as i come around the corner by that clubhouse there's those prairie valley green yeah prairie uh, greens prairie greens Mm -hmm. there's three flags there yep they're on the they're down they're not blowing at all because there's trees behind they're pretty high up too yes they're but they're being blocked by trees but they're down so your indicators can be lying to you i know there's 40 mile an hour winds out there i'm in the mountains shooting off of one side of one ridge the person may snake around the roadway. Say you're following somebody in a convoy and you're shooting down into the convoy. Well, if they make their way around to the next side of the ridge, now you've got a completely opposite look. So how are you really calling the wind? And one of the things was, well, what's the guy shooting? Because he's, you know, it's long range hunting. A lot of it comes off a long range hunting website. 338 edge. It's like... So how's the 338 edge stuff going to apply to a 308? Mm-hmm. So what you had talked about was learning all this stuff with a 308 because then you're only going to get better when you move up to yeah. either 65, six cheating mil- the wind. Right. Yeah. So we're looking at this wind. And honestly, if you look in that video, my holds were so small. And it's funny. There was one element of the video where Brian, you can actually hear Brian say, Frank, hold on a second, because I shot and I'm hitting and I'm shot and I'm hitting in the video that I posted on YouTube on Monday. And then you hear Brian say, hold on a second. Well, he went to go get his camera to film through the uh, The spotter spotter because I'm owning this 800 meter target like it's going out of style. First round hit, boom, 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 boom. Okay, so I'm reloading the mag. Brian walks over like 10 feet, gets his phone. He's lining up on the target. I'm stuffing a mag up. I get up on the camera and the camera rolls and he goes, okay, go. Boom, miss. Right. Wind switched. I was holding 0.5 left, 0.5 left in the video that you saw. That's how even at 800 yards. Well, now I need 0.3 right. And it's like 0.3 right, 0.2 left, 0.4 right. And it's bouncing this target. How can you figure that out without sending that first round? So we talked about, even within the context of the military, and we brought it up in the match. You talked about it at Pawnee. Where's your throwaway round? 
Can you throw a round away without maybe giving up your position or compromising your, your thing to maybe get more hits on target? Right, and so we're talking about taking a digger or throwing a cider round. Yeah, around. throwing a cider round. And in the military, guys back in Afghanistan and Iraq and different places, guys would throw a cider round into a side of a building. There's so much going on in some of these contexts that you can't tell, are they shooting at me or are they shooting at the other guy? Right. You know, I have um, Nick Irving I've talked about. I have his uh, stuff from one of the, the, the block of missions in Afghanistan. They would often take ciders or figure out because these the Taliban didn't run away from gunfire. So a guy would be getting shot at and say he miss, you, you miss him by a foot. He didn't move. He, don't, he doesn't run away. So you almost get a sighter on a guy like that, and you can adjust. If you have a built-in machine gun emplacement, he's not going to move. The machine gun's going to stay there and still be going to town. You can almost get a sighter to get your first round or closer to first round hits. And under these really, really bad conditions of the mountains, it's so hard to predict. And Brian's seeing every indicator is showing right to left, but the holds left to right, you know? Well, you got your wind at the shooter. Right. You got your mid-range wind. Then you have your wind at the target. But now you have wind on ground level, wind 50 feet up. And the back flows, as, as the wind comes across the ridge line, it catches the top of that ridge and it back feeds it. So you may get... So or, or washing up like the ocean coming up onto a cliff. Right, but it goes beyond this now. Because now we're gonna we're talking to somebody. Okay, I'm gonna give you a cross canyon wind class. What about thermals? End of the day or early in the morning, where that air is cold and it starts falling pushing. and settling, and everything's pushing down into the canyon. Sun comes out. Ten o'clock, everything starts heating up. Starts rising. Those thermals start <clears throat> rising off the ridge. And Brian was saying, Brian's such a generous guy with his his uh, information. So he's finding there was some conditions where if it was a certain time of day, he's holding left and high or right and low, depending, you know, all these different things because of thermal updrafts or cold air downdrafts. A lot of the videos he had was shooting in the snow and the wind. He had a 60 mile an hour. He's shot at 60 miles an hour up there and he had the video of a guy doing getting hits at 400 yards in 60 mile an hour winds. For them, their focus is, again, that danger close, that danger space, their own personal danger space. Right, that's so 600 yards. 600 meters, so 600 yeah, yards and in. So across these canyons, it, if you look at it, 400 is a very common number. And that was where you saw me shooting off that barricade stuff. I was at 400 meters there. you got to be able to manage the wind under all these conditions. It's not just left-right wind. It's up-down wind. You know, it's thermals. It's the way these things go. And, and wind cheaters do help. But in the case of the military, they don't have wind cheaters. The 300 mag is the best they're going to do in a lot of these situations. And even that, the 220 is definitely faster at 2950. But if you're at the 191 stuff, that stuff is not very good in the wind. It's not a true wind cheater. So learning the wind and learning these conditions with a 308 
and then trying to apply Brian's practical real-world experience to updrafts, to stuff you can't see, to max ord over the top of one ridge but under another, to shooting down where maybe it's going like a bowl and the ridge Almost like is, a tornado. Yeah, just a tornado and it's swirling. So here you're trying to shoot. Which we get some of that stuff down in Raton. Yes. Uh, Douglas, too. There was a, there's a bowl up in Douglas where Competition Dynamics has their cla- uh, matches. You're out in the open, but you're shooting into a bowl. And it's got a really small opening to it, but then it opens up big because there's like um, there's some uh, like gravel pit or something up in Douglas. So they dug it out. Mm-hmm. It swirls like a tornado in that gravel pit. So how do you do that other than indicators of if duff flies up from your first shot? Because you have very few actual true-to-their-word wind indicators in these set settings. And just seeing what Brian's doing under these conditions is amazing. That's where your BC's coming in. The other thing, I want to talk angles with him. So... He demonstrated and showed. He had Vector 21 laser rangefinder with all the bells and whistles in it. That's like some Star Wars shit. Yeah. We're talking $18,000 laser rangefinder. Okay. Military grade. So Glenn and those guys were immediately going to their thing. First, we had to change Glenn's kestrels from yards to meters because Brian worked in, in meters. Well, immediately, Brian gave two pieces of information. Straight line distance to the target in the corrected distance to the target. I will tell you right now, if you're using software and like the Kestrel, do not use um, the uh, straight line distance. I mean, no, I take that back. So Brian put in the straight line or the corrected distance into Glenn's Kestrel. It's wrong. The corrected distance in the Kestrel doesn't work. Ward Brian talked about this. He's talking Snell's Law with Ward Bryan and holding in the mountains and different. When you're holding too far and you're out of the center one-third of a Horus radical, Ward Bryan's saying Snell's Law is messing you up and your dope will be wrong because you're not seeing the picture correctly through distortions in the lenses. Well, what Bryan demonstrated was your straight line distance is correct. You have to put in the angle. So don't just do the corrected distance with a zero angle. Do the straight line with the actual angle. That's the only way that Kestrel will actually work. But then also truing the BC because you need 100% of the straight line distance with the wind. So if you put the corrected distance in the Kestrel, you're screwing your wind call. Your wind call changes, yep. So now you need the straight line with the angle, not the corrected without. So make sure you look at that. The other thing is true in the BCs and helping the BCs is going to help correct your wind call as well. When we, we use that average in the BC, we're underplaying it. That average is based on 300 yards in a certain velocity. Okay? Well... The Hornaday stuff now has kind of moved it to seven, eight hundred yards, but we want to correct that BC for eight hundred yards at our velocity for our rifle. That I'm finding velocity is so damn dependent 
on what it's doing in these extreme conditions. When the conditions start going outside the normal, like we're seeing with the wind this weekend, I saw with the wind and rain last weekend, that 300-yard average BC falls on its face. Okay, If you correct it and then bring it to a farther distance and then tweak your velocity in the, in the software ever so slightly, your numbers will line up better. So straight line distance plus the angle in your software, true in the BC, and then when it comes to these wind calls in these really bad conditions, consider the cider or the other solution, Brian's solution, you saw in the picture, the tripod. Build a better condition, uh, position so you can fix and see the result of your mistake. The mistake's going to be there in the wind. So Brian's working these positions better because in the mountains you're severely compromised. There's no real good prone. If you saw some of the pictures of me, I'm kind of scrunched up. I'm in a half kneeling, half laying One down. leg's over this and right. the other leg's over that. So your position is severely, severely compromised in the mountains. That's where Brian, I mean, the tripod, the tripod in the mountains is more important than your normal rear bag. You are better off with a puff pillow and a tripod than a sand sock and not. Because you need to get off the ground, you need to get raised. In some cases, that pillow may be under your chest. Yeah, the front of your gun's either going to need to come up or the rear of the gun's going to have to go up. Right. One of, one of the two. And this is where Brian's tripod positions. Now, guys were saying, well, who's going to carry the tripod up the mountain? Damn straight, you better carry the tripod up the mountain. Got to make a sacrifice. It's your man. single most important piece of kit under those conditions. Now, back to military application. Back to my team spirit story. For three days, I'm watching this artillery emplacement. Tripod. Right? I'm all set up on tripods. Well, then I'm just going to switch spotters and lasers, maybe a mule, whatever the case may be that's target designator, a laser target designator. All these devices are still going to run off a tripod. So instead of carrying the one little seal metal uh, Ashbury target, the, the tripod, the little tiny one they use for the vector. Now, did you have a tripod for this exercise? Uh, yes, we did. Um, in the Marine Corps? Yeah. Yeah, but we had the um, the spotter tripod, and then we made... So, was it like one of those... You, it, was probably, it was either... Two feet off the ground. Like, really flimsy? No, it was the heavy Bushnell one. Bushnell recreated it years ago. It actually... But it didn't hold the rifle well. We had nothing. What we used to hold the rifle was our tent poles. We made a tripod out of our tent poles or our ruck. But we did have tripods with us. We had the tent poles turned into one for the rifle... And we had the one for the spotter. And a rear support. And then we just something. had a sand sock. We had a sand sock is what we used. Or a ruck. A ruck was the one big one back then. Because remember, my rifle in the Marine Corps didn't have a bipod. Right. So it just had a sling. Um, but the tripod is your single most important piece of kit. Along with something like a trouse bag, a wee bat, or something like that. One, they're filled with air. Tactical air. Right. Tactical air. Right. They, they, they're lighter to carry. And you can get the rear bags, like the tab rear bags that have air, like the cross-tack bags that have air in them. And if you're going up hunting and you're going in the mountains, well, now you're going to switch to your air-filled stuff. But your tripod's still not going to change. Why do we go to really right stuff? Why are we using really right stuff at, you know, a complete 33 setup is almost 1800 bucks. Super light. Because it's super light and super strong. 
it's like the Leo photo people were looking at. Mm-hmm. It's almost which some of the stuff uh, half the weight transfers back and forth between the two of those yes, because they of do. the the actual the, the ball center, head. Yeah, the center column. column. Um, you can fit some really right stuff into the Leo photo. It's half the weight and twice the weight rating to hold up. So you can hold up more by carrying less with a really right stuff versus holding less but carrying more with a Manfrotto. I want to get back to these angles real quick. So you're talking about shooting at these extreme. They were extreme angles. Yeah, 20, uh, 25 to 35. The smallest angle Brian has, his true target, is 6 degrees. So in your ballistic program in the Ford off, you can take uh, a snapshot of the angle from your from your phone. So you're talking right. about getting that actual distance, getting actual wind, but now involving an angle. Mm-hmm. So that wind, I don't think the wind changes in the Ford off when you add the angle into it. I think they've actually worked that out. Okay. Um, and, and you guys can play with it. I'll probably play with it later. But um, that is another tool that you can use. What do you did you guys were you guys using any like uh, angle cosine indicators or anything like that? He wasn't, but I do. I, okay. I like the angle cosine indicator to give you that percentage. Now it goes to the rifleman's rule, which is the original. That's the cosine of the distance. That's what the lasers are giving you. That rifleman's rule. Well, if you look at Sierra's exterior ballistics stuff, that's been improved on. The improved rifleman rule means you do the dope, not the distance. That's what Brian's seeing by saying use your straight line distance in the angle because that corrects the dope versus using the corrected distance because that makes it wrong. So you've got to use the straight line distance plus your angle to adjust your dope on target and not the distance to target. At what point do you think you need an ACI? 400 and bond and then 10 degrees of angle and more. So you want 400 yards and beyond and 10 degrees or more is kind of a good rule of thumb. I like If you live in Florida, you don't need an ACI. No. If you live here in Colorado, you're going to hunt in the mountains in Idaho, you need the ACI. You want something. It's a yeah. good number. It helps you do that. Tub has his that does a, 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 it has more math than Tubbs, but Tubbs is a little bit more refined. But Brad, uh, Ward O'Brien's angle cosine indicator sniper is the tools. go-to. Yeah, yep. sniper tool. And is, that's the one that you commonly see with Badger, yes. Night Force. Spur, everybody has yeah, the mount. Everybody has the mount for it, but when you're actually looking for an ACI, chances are it's a sniper tools ACI regardless of what manufacturer yep. you're getting it from. And you have to tune that to level. You, that, that has a screw and adjustment, and you have to tune it to level. So... That's definitely something to look at. Like I said, there is so much to learn. And like I said, Brian's shooting 308s and 300 wind mags. And then, you know, he's determining that the laser, he said that the, like the SIG laser with the angle was off a bit. There's a bunch of stuff going on there that you have to, it's not what has been advertised for years, you know? So... There's like a ghost in your house. Right? I know, man. We, we do have a ghost. You, the dude has a ghost. That's what I tell everybody anyway. I tell the kids that. Mm-hmm. It's know? a ghost. Yeah, it's a ghost. Mike's got a ghost. So I hope that, like I said, <laughs> the Brian's stuff, so illuminating. If you're military and everything and you want to go out there, because this recreates Korea better than anything I've ever seen in those mountains and riggins. The, the, the learning, it's, it's like four hours of us shooting out there was like compressing... A week of training into that four hours because 
from your very first shots, you're learning something because you're shooting one side, the other side, up, down, extreme conditions, the rain, the wind, the snow, uh, you know, getting up there. Did you I, feel like you were just throwing ammo away at first? No, no. We were on pretty quick. I was off a little bit. When I didn't have a good position, actually the picture of me where the rifle's cradled in the rock, I, I was over in a compromised position and I couldn't spot my own shot and it hurt me. So then Brian's like, move to this side of the rocks and there was that notch. So I moved six feet to the left, not locked into this position. Now I'm spotting and I ended up hitting a smaller target quicker than the bigger target initially so I, I had a I had a better results building a better position versus you know just trying to get rounds on it on even a bigger target because I couldn't see the between the wind the rain the rain was one of the biggest problems because it was screwing up my lenses and I couldn't see very sure. well and it was dark uh, you know a little darker than the scope needed to be. So well, you could see it on a lot of the pictures and some of the camera stuff. How dark it was, but also the rain affecting your glasses. Well, trying to look through that is like Big trying time. to look through the ocean. And this was like six hundred yards away on like a twelve-inch plate, and I couldn't hit All shit. Up. And then when I moved over, I was hitting like a um, an eight-inch plate at the same distance, where I couldn't hit the twelve immediately, but I hit the eight on the second shot because I could see it. So that, that was a big, big part of it. But build your position. Focus on that. And that's where those that leg over the leg. And then you asked about leveling base with the really right yeah, stuff. Yeah, we'll get into that in the okay, next one. Okay, we'll do because, the next yeah, one because we we're, we're out of time. Yeah, we're getting close to yeah. time. But um, just to kind of give you guys a preview, just what you saw and what I saw from, from your time up there is that I saw some new – tripod engagements as yes, far as new positions yeah new positions on the tripod it's no longer just going okay you know it's uh, i got a video camera on my tripod so i need to square up on the tripod i need to get in this position and not touch the tripod mm -hmm. and let the tripod ride the gun and everything um but what we're seeing from that video is a lot of different stuff as far as engaging that tripod and actually putting more meat onto the yeah, tripod and one of the things i did that this is the benefit like uh hard gear uh hrd hard gear dan hansen the rail being the entire length. If you look at the Seekins, I have that entire rail, the really right stuff dovetail under the Seekins, right? And you're moving it. Well, right. So it's what not I center did. Center of balance on the gun. What I did is I pushed the rifle to the target and then loosened it and let it slide back into me. And once I got that purchase where I wanted, I locked it down. I like that. Now it pinched into me because I rode on that hard rail. And I let that rail come back into my shoulder. Now, if I was shooting down angle, it might be a little bit different. But when I was shooting up, I let the rifle slide back into me to determine my position. So in the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But we're also going to cover the different ball heads and leveling yes. bases and how we can actually get angles out of those because the leveling bases are way different than the ball heads. Yes. So um, we'll get back to that. What I want you guys to do is take a look at that video that Frank posted up with the semi-auto uh, firing. So if, if you guys are shooting a semi-auto uh, precision rifle, listen to... To the gun, listen to the impact, and then if you then right after that, you're gonna hear a click, and that's actually fundamental Frank getting that trigger reset and 
he's he's always over exaggerating it, but it goes back to what we were talking about in fundamentals. And this is a perfect like we didn't discuss this or anything. To me, this was a perfect example of how to engage that trigger, follow through, wait for that impact, and then bang, wait, 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 click, and let off. And you're gonna you're gonna hear that trigger reset. And in just about every shot, there's somewhere he's going a little bit faster because he knows he's hitting the target. And he's the bullets already left the gun, so he's you know resetting and, and throwing another one downrange almost immediately. Mm-hmm. But it's going clang, 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 and you're going to see those fundamentals in play, and especially off of a positional I'm, style in the positional style shooting where he's talking about building up in, in that position so that you are absolutely comfortable and you're not fidgeting around and moving the gun. You want to be as comfortable as you are when you're prone. That leg over was beyond comfortable. Sliding that rifle back into me and we shot out to 2000. We didn't hit at 2000 just in that setup you saw. We shoot I did hit I think 15 1600 meter with that 260 from that position. I know I hit 15, 16, I hit 11, 12, and then I hit an 8, 6, and 4 from those positions, but it was beyond comfy. And most of the time, I can see what I can do that far away on that angle and all that because that position was rock solid. So we'll have Frank break that down for you in the next episode. Uh, Thanks for listening and thanks for sharing your favorite Precision Rifle podcast. Yeah, we're rocking it, man. You guys are rocking. It's all about you. You're the the ones who make this successful. We're just talking. Um, But thank you guys for listening. Please share some more. Please go around. Uh, Videos are coming out. I got new stuff. All the Glenn Seekin stuff. uh, The Brian Morgan stuff that I did. So go to uh, either snipershigh.com or YouTube channel right now and you can check them out. Lots of media coming out. Uh, thanks again, Mike from Mile High Shooting. You can reach me at Mike at MileHighShooting.com. Real simple. Check out our website, MileHighShooting.com. Go to Sniper's Hide website, SniperSide.com. And I'm low light on Sniper's Hide. And if you have a big question, make sure you ask it publicly so more people can get the benefit. Yep. And we do have a Podbean section there, and a lot of stuff is cleared up. Like I said, I'm banned from Facebook for the next 72 hours. Yeah. So I might be on Sniper's Hide a little bit more, and we'll kind of we'll start drifting more in that direction because there are people on that forum that can answer a lot of these questions based off of what we're already talking about but what they already know and get other people's opinions on this stuff. It's We're, we're telling you a way of doing business. We're not telling you the way of doing business. We're giving you our success stories and our downfalls so that you can make a decision for yourself. So again, we appreciate it. You're listening to The Everyday Sniper. Ciao.